Rosie and Bill Show wish to thank our primary sponsors, The Mallon Agency, located in Springfield, PA, where they take pride in exceeding expectations every time. The Roselli Agency. Brian and his team of insurance professionals have been serving the needs of Chester County for more than two decades. Anthony DiCecco and our friends at Tennis Addiction are ready to serve all your tennis needs at their beautiful facility in Exton, PA. Your auto insurance sports update. The Sixers are now winners of seven of their last nine games after a 94-89 win over the Toronto Raptors at the Wells Fargo Center last night. Yeah, it's a cold morning at the bus stop for the kiddos. Sunshine and 15 degrees as the kids head off to school this morning. They need the layer. We're seeing uh, that wreaking havoc, uh, especially on the Vine Expressway. The Vine 676, we're keeping tabs of this tractor-trailer accident on the westbound side right at 76. Let's head outside. It feels like it's in the teens here in the Philadelphia area. But yeah, you're right. We were in the 50s yesterday. 40s on Saturday, really up and down around here. Last week, Thursday and Friday, we had temps in the upper 20s. Welcome, everyone, to the Rosie and Bill Show. Our guest this week is a talented and versatile broadcaster who's been on the airwaves in the Delaware Valley in all sorts of forms and fashion for many years. And during that time, he's interviewed some of the biggest names in music and in the world of Philadelphia sports. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show a man who was once told... You sound like shit on the radio just before getting promoted. And we're so happy to have him here with us tonight. And we'd promote him if we could. Jason Lee. Jason, great to have you tonight on the show. Thanks for joining us. All of a sudden, I wish you were my boss, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. It's You know what? It's it's great to be with you, too. And I want to say, first of all, before we get involved in the conversation, uh, I totally agree with giving Rosie top billing. <laughs> Why, thank you. Thank you very much. It's <laughs> funny because, you know, he actually was the one lobbying for that. I was like, no, no, your name should go first. He's like, no, no, it doesn't sound, doesn't sound as good. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, Jason, I have to get back to that intro. What happened? How did someone tell you you sounded like who and then you got a promotion? What's that all about? So, okay. So um, I was at B101 and I had only been there for like three months and the guy who hired me, the program director who hired me, left the station, took a job in Detroit. That was his hometown. So this new guy comes in. And again, I'd only been there for three months. And and I came from a little AM oldie station. I was 22 years old, and I had been playing oldies. So I was playing music that came out 15, 20 years before I was born. And I guess I felt like I had to sound older. So I had a very phony delivery. It's funny. I don't know if you guys have gone through this, but early in my career, the hardest thing for me on the air was to be myself. Mm. So I was, you know, hey, everybody there. You know, I, I just I sounded really phony. So new program, direct, new program director comes in. It's a Saturday afternoon. I'll never forget it. This guy worked on Saturday. He was at the station on Saturdays. He walked in the studio, says to me, you sound like shit. And then he walked out the door. So I'm mortified. I avoid the guy for about two weeks. Finally, two weeks later, he says, OK, we have to go over a tape show you how, how far back it was when I, an actual cassette tape i brought to his office he listens to it and and there's me doing the weather forecast hey everybody it is sunshine today with a so he stops the tape i see him writing something down and he's writing out a weather forecast he hands it to me and says okay read that like you're on the air so i said well sunshine with a high he cuts me off he says jason now you're just talking to me what's it like i said sunshine with a high 85 he said say it like that on the air and for some reason that was my epiphany and the guy he let me, to his credit, I'll, I'll say his name, Jim Ryan, who 
is a legendary programmer in New York City. Now he programs CBS FM up there, and he's a, he's a big wig with Odyssey. He um he let me kind of take my lumps and get better. He kept me on early Sunday morning. Long story short, a few months later, the overnight shift opened up, full time opportunity. He gave it to me. So we didn't start off on the right foot. But I I, I tell young people in this business all the time, you know, just because you make a bad first impression doesn't mean you can't change that. And, and luckily, he gave me that opportunity. That's great. That's that's encouraging to hear. I mean, I remember, Jason, years ago, I, Bill and I were both speech communications majors. So we did internships at news and sports stations. And, and I was working for an AM radio station locally. And I remember I had a Saturday night show where I would play music, but then also we would run the Spillies Philly sports teams, whatever. And I definitely did the same thing that you did. And I was trying to, you know, affect my voice and sound a certain way. And, you know, and my mom was like, what? Just talk natural. What are you right? That, that's that's exactly right. I mean, when I first started in radio, people used to say to me, oh, talk in your radio voice. And I used to at first I thought that was a compliment. But now it's like, wait a second. No, your radio voice should be your voice. That's what it should be. It, you should be the same person on and off the air. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Yes, it absolutely is. And I'll tell you, Jason, when I, uh, as you were talking about that situation with with the voice and just kind of have the conversation, and I know Rosie will remember this, it wasn't all that long ago when I had an agent tell me in when I was auditioning to do a commercial spot, she literally looked at me and she did not mince words. Bill, lose the anchorman voice, have a conversation. Because <laughs> it was it was very regimented, you know, and yep. I literally was that anchorman voice. And I was like, hey, I'm just trying to cover up my Delco accent. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Easier said than done, I guess, right? Covering yeah, up the Delco that's, accent. It, that's it sure true. is. I but, went from you know, saying water to water because yep. of radio. <laughs> but but it's funny. If you say water and if you're on in Philly, it's okay. That's true. It's okay. People like that. That's you're, very you're one, you're one of us. German. It's right up there with Acme. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Put the extra syllable in there. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, emulating people and how they sound on the radio, because really that's what we were doing. We thought we had to sound like other people. Who were your broadcast idols growing up? Gosh. Um, well, you know what? When when I I grew up a huge sports fan. So the the people that I gravitated to were sports broadcasters. I idolized Harry Callis. I idolized Merle Reese. And, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough that he's been on my show a couple of times. And uh, I mean, he's I got his number in my cell phone. I mean, it's he and he's he's such a nice guy. Gene Hart with the Flyers. I don't know if you remember Gene Hart from back in the day. And I was always a huge Bob Costas fan, NBC Sports. I wanted to be Bob Costas. Mm. And but but but, you know, if I had to rank them, Harry Callis, definitely number one. And what a nice guy he was. And we we heard that you had to announce uh, when he passed. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I will never forget that. Um, and Bill, I'm sure you remember this because I, I see the Harry Callis book behind yeah. you and the Harry and Whitey bobblehead. Uh, so obviously you're a big Callis fan, too. Um, it was it was uh, it was it was in 2009, early in the season. They were doing it. It was a, a daytime game in D.C., like I guess a one o'clock game in D.C. Yeah. I was doing middays on 95.7 Ben FM. So I'm on the air. My shift was 10 to 3. And I want to say around like 1130, maybe noon. Our traffic manager walks in the studio and says, 
you know, we're getting, uh, you know, news reports that Harry Callis collapsed in the booth. And, you know, I'm I'm panicking because, you know, I don't know the guy, but I love the guy. Um, and then I'd say not even an hour later, he comes in the studio and he goes like that to me. And I I lost it. I mean, I don't mean to sound melodramatic, but when I had to announce on the air that Harry Callis died, I I struggled. I mean, I I was breaking I was breaking down on the air. I mean, I did meet the man a couple of times, but I didn't know him. But you felt like you knew him and you felt yeah. like a piece of you died when he died. And and yeah, that was that was that was the toughest thing. I probably the toughest thing I've had to do had to do on the air. I can I can imagine. And, you know, to this day, there are people walking around with voicemail greetings that Harry would record for them on yep. their phone and they yep. will never delete that greeting. No, no, you, you can't do that. You can't. That voice, that voice was just unbelievable. And, and you know, and whenever, like when there's a rain delay in a Phillies game and they show either like a year-end highlight video or, you know, a, a great game from years ago and, and you hear him again, you realize, and this is no disrespect to Tom McCarthy or Scott Fransky, who I think are both phenomenal, but you realize how much you miss Harry Callis. Oh, absolutely. And, and kudos to T-Mac for stepping in and taking over you know, that position, the, the way that he's done, you know, over the years and God only knows someday somebody's going to have a similar difficult task with Merrill Reese, but we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later. I want to go back. Uh, that was 2009. Yep. Go back just a little bit before that, maybe 12 years or so before heard a rumor in 1997 at the Grammys <laughs> took place in Madison square garden. Oh, and Rosie and I have heard that someone got kicked out of the backstage press area at Madison Square Garden. So, Jason, I have to ask, why did you wear a Flyers jersey to Madison Square Garden? <laughs> oh, I was tempted. I was tempted. Trust me. Trust me. Um, okay, so here's what happened. So B101 sends me to the Grammy Awards. And what they want me to do is, and and, and they got me passes on backstage there I am. I'm backstage with the girl I was dating at the time. You want to talk about like, I look like a big shot. Hey, I want to go to the Grammys. Let's go to the Grammy Awards. Come on. Um, so I'm backstage. Literally, I got MTV to my left and I got E! Entertainment Television to, to my right doing live hits. This is before the Grammy telecast that you see on TV. So B101 sent me there. And what they wanted me to do was they wanted me to approach as many of our B101 artists as I could and get them to say, hi, I'm so-and-so and you're listening to B101. Hmm. So um, so I'm there with a microphone and there's a B101 flag on it. Well, one of the one of the Grammy officials comes up to me and says, you're not allowed to do live interviews back here. And I said, I'm not. I'm not doing live interviews. So, all right, fine. Well, then they saw me, you know, like accosting Gloria Stefan and, and Celine Dion trying to get them... And they're like, I told you, you can't do live interviews. I said, I'm not. These are recorded. I'm, I just want them to do a, a station testimonial. Well, they kicked me out for that reason. So I was back in my hotel room before the Grammy show that you see on TV even began. But I got, but I got Gloria Stefan and Celine Dion, so my boss was happy with that. Wow, that was cold. Boy, they didn't. It, it, it really was because there were other people. There were some New York radio people there doing live interviews. And... And I wasn't, oh. but you know, it is what it is. But it's it's one of those, 
like at the time, at the time I was upset, but I've got a great story I could tell. Well, you have, you do have a lot of great stories. And we understand also that there's a story from when you interviewed James Taylor on V101 that turned out maybe not quite as you'd hoped. <laughs> you guys do your research, don't you? Um, so, yeah, so I um, it was me and one of my one of my colleagues, Dan Blackman, who was at V101 for 18 years. He's been on the air in New York City now for, gosh, at least a decade. Great guy. Great talent on the air. So James Taylor is coming to the Man Music Center and. We're interviewing him. Unfortunately, it wasn't in person. He didn't come to the station. It was, uh, I guess it was over the phone. So I I find what I think is this great factoid about James Taylor, that he still gets really nervous before every show. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, this guy's been, he's a legend. He's been doing this for decades, but he still gets nervous before every show. What does he do to calm himself down? Why does he get nervous? I mean, you know, he's been on stage thousands and thousands of times so i built up this question you know i read this thing that you get nervous on stage still and i'm building this up you know how do you calm yourself down i mean why do you still get nervous you're a legend people love you he says to me it's not true i don't know where you got that from it's not true <laughs> so, so what i had to do was just all right that's for, that's what i did i'm like Tear that up. I don't know where I got that from, but it's going away. And we just we just moved on. Yeah, my yeah and you couldn't cut it out. Like <laughs> right, we couldn't. I mean, it was he laughed it off. And looking back, I, you know, I can laugh it off. But at the time, yeah, I was a young guy in the business and I was mortified at the time. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, I I I asked this bad question to a legend like James Taylor. You know, those, those... I, I thought maybe you were going to ask him, you know, how life was with Carly Simon, but that, you know, well, that, that lot, could have been, uh... that could have been my next question or, you know, were you the one that, uh, you're so vain was based off of, but I guess, it, <laughs> I guess we found it. Well, it was, it was Warren Beatty, right? Warren was Beatty. That, it was Warren Beatty. That's right. But at the time we didn't know. And right. I will tell you, Jason, I remember somewhere hearing that same little factoid that you just said that he gets nervous. Okay, that's something so... that was going around. So I'm not crazy. No. Well, at least in this regard. No, I, I I do remember hearing or reading that years ago about him and thinking the same thing. The guy's been performing forever, but you know maybe it's just you know good good to be jittery, good to be a little nervous before you go out. It keeps you on your toes, but to just say that's not true, well, well he, I'll tell yeah, you what though, you've had. It. Uh, uh, if I flip it a little bit here and, and talk about some amazing interviews that I've seen you have during your time on PHL sports scene. And you've interviewed some of the biggies. You already mentioned Merle Reese, Kate Scott, uh, Larry Boa, Larry Anderson, Brian Dawkins. I mean, the names I could go on and on. And get, having the chance to do that. And by the way, before I ask my question, I want to commend you on the way you just have conversations with these well, thank folks. You. And you really get to know them your interview with Kate Scott, anybody who hasn't seen it, check it out. I, I got to know a whole different side of her just from the conversation you had with her. I thought it was amazing. I appreciate but that. Thank you. Can it get any better than that, having conversations <clears throat> with people like that? It's uh, it's a dream come true. Um, and I, I, I shared on social media that um, the show's going on a bit of a hiatus. Um, I've got two more shows left uh, this Thursday. Uh, Thursday the 24th and Thursday the 31st are my last two shows. 
Um, hopefully we'll be back. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a dream come true. I mean, ever since I got into broadcasting, I've always wanted to do a show like this. And while you know, I'm sad that it it's it coming to an end and possibly for good. Um, you know, I'm lucky that I got to do it. This this really was the show I was dreaming of doing. And yeah, you mentioned some of the names. And really, the, the biggest names in Philly sports, I, you know, in, in the two years I've, I've done this show, I've gotten to know some people, some of these people. And if you would have told me this, if you would have told the Philly sports fan that was like 10, 11 years old, watching the Phillies and watching the Sixers and watching the Eagles and the Flyers, that, you know, 30 some years down the line, I guess 40 some years, <laughs> I was never good at math, 40 years down the line. You're going to get to talk to these people. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to text. Well, we didn't know what texting was back then, but you're going to get to contact these people. And I mean, I would have thought you were crazy. Larry Boa is one of the nicest guys ever. Love talking to him. You mentioned Kate Scott. Kate Scott. I really enjoyed talking to her because what I love about Kate is that not only is she fantastic at what she does, she is so down to earth and she's somebody, um, as a woman doing broadcasting a, 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 a male sport, she gets you get a lot of the um, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, look, every broadcaster gets hate no matter how good you are. Haters. <laughs> right. Every broadcaster gets haters no matter how good you are. But she also gets the idiots who say a woman shouldn't be doing a male sport, which is ridiculous because she's fantastic. And she handles all that great. I mean, I don't know how she does it. <laughs> she, and she took over for a legend and Mark Zumoff, too. Yep. Well, that's true, too. You want to talk about big shoes to fill. 27 years he did Sixers games. He was on, he was on a sports scene, too, a couple of times. I mean, so many people that I've been lucky enough to talk to on the show. Uh, I got Larry Anderson on again this week. I wanted to have him on one more time before we wrapped it up. He He is just the nicest guy ever. And, I mean, you know, this is not to... You know, I, I hesitate to pick a favorite guest because I don't want to disrespect anybody. But let's just say Larry Anderson is definitely in the top two. Mm-hmm. Who's number one? Well, or who's in the top two? Who's the other one in the top two? Well, you see, that's yeah, hard. Yeah. That's really hard. You know, I mean, I because I, I don't want to I don't want to. How about your Mount Rushmore of guests? Can you go ma- four? My Mount. Oh, that's a great question. My Mount Rushmore of guests. Well, OK, there. I have I I have I've had my go tos who were who were I guess reliable. <laughs> That's probably a bad word, but but they're always gold. They're always there, um, and they're always really good. Larry Anderson's one of them. Mark Farzetta is one of them. Um, gosh, Marcus Hayes, Mike mm-hmm. Sealski. Uh, I'm already at four, so this is this is yeah. gonna be this is gonna be more than that's Mount a lot Rushmore. of talent right there, and a couple of great writers uh, as well. Yeah, and uh, Devon Gibbons from the Fanatic. Uh, actually, he just uh, just announced he's leaving the Fanatic. But so many great people from radio and from newspapers um, have been kind enough to 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 join the show, and and all those people made the show what it was, made it better, and I'm I'm so grateful to them. I mean, it's, and it's been, again, it's, I'm sad that it's ending, but man, it's, it was a blast to do. So Jason, I have a question about the Philly sports teams. Mm -hmm. 
Which of the four major teams do you think will be the next to win a championship? Uh, you got to say the Eagles. Um, the Flyers, I like the direction the Flyers are going, but they're still, if I can quote another legend, uh, a guy that I never had on the show, but I, I would have loved to have had him on the show, Howard Eskin. He says something like, they're three years away from being three years away. Um <laughs> And he's been saying that for 30 years. Yeah. Well, and, and actually I got an Eskin story too, because Eskin, well, let me, I'll get back to that. But uh, to answer your question, see so yeah, the Flyers are, are, are in the right direction, but they're still far away. The Sixers are totally in shambles right now, especially with this whole situation with Harden. Even if Harden was coming back and everything was hunky dory, they still can't get past the second round. Right. Well, that's because I, I just want to interject that, I find their offense extremely frustrating to watch. Yeah. I feel like it's a two-man thing. They don't move the ball. They they don't utilize, you know, all the other talent. It's And then James Harden is just dribbling into, you know, recklessly trying to draw a foul. That's just my opinion. It's like I don't think that offense is going to get them to a championship. Well, and, and Harden was way too inconsistent in the playoffs last year. In the Boston series, he had two fantastic games and four awful games. Right. Um, so I, I don't think the Sixers are close. Uh, the Phillies, as we saw last year, if you if you just get in, you never know what can happen. The Phillies, if they're clicking on all cylinders, they can win a World Series. Um, but, you know, that's it's kind of a big if. Uh, if they're clicking on all cylinders, because that offense—I mean, look—we saw it in the world in the World Series last year. They were no hit in the World Series for some reason. That lineup can go dormant, and and when they all it seems like they all stop hitting at the same time. Yeah. Um, so the Eagles, you you look at the Eagles. They got a great leader in Jalen Hurts. They got a great head coach in in Sirianni. And listen, I was one of the people who made fun of him a couple years ago when he made that flower analogy. You know, you got to water the flower, and you got. I mean, everybody made fun of him, including me. But from that point forward, it seemed like that's like it seemed like that resonated with the team. That's when the team turned things around. So I got to give the man credit. I, I don't really see too many weaknesses on the Eagles. I mean, their punter isn't very good, but hopefully they won't be in punting situations very often. Their backup quarterback is not very good. Although, although, um, who wasn't the last week? The the fourth stringer, Tanner McKee, was that his yeah. name? He's he good. looked good. Mariota did not look good, but as a lot of people have said, and I agree with, if they get to the backup quarterback, they have a problem anyway. So well, I, I heard they took Mariota outside of the link and they were just having him throw the ball to see if he could hit the stadium just to get his confidence <laughs> back up. <laughs> did, did it work? <laughs> we'll find out this coming week because, uh, yeah, it's a shame because he's, you know, he's had his ups and downs, but he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and, Tanner McKee was was really pinpoint. He looked like Nick Foles out there a little bit. Yeah, he 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 looked good. He looked good. But yeah, but Rosie, to answer your question in my usual long-winded way, uh, the Eagles. Okay. Are the next team, I think. We'll take it. Yeah, and I I would say this, Jason, for what it's worth. Um, and I just kind of and you just you just touched on a lot of uh what I was going to ask you about in terms of mostly the Phillies and the Eagles, because the Flyers and Sixers, they haven't really started yet, but I love the way the two of you, and, and Rosie knows her basketball, trust me, and she's kicked my butt in basketball on multiple occasions too. <laughs> so, you know, I'd be a lot better if it wasn't for that whole dribbling thing. 
Um, I'm not sure why that's necessary. And if it was full contact basketball, it'd be a lot better. But that aside. Got it. Okay. Uh, the Phillies, right? Watching them, those couple of games against Washington, and it's like, what happened? To your point about the offense, even the pitching. And then they come out against San Francisco when it really matters. And as as we're recording this episode just last night, that offense came alive. Yeah, it did. It and, did. and hopefully it can stay warm, especially against the team that they're head to head against for that top wild card spot. Well, you know, it, it seems like um, they at times play down to the level of their competition. I don't know why they do that, but yeah. But last night the offense was clicking. They they finally got a good game from Nola. It didn't seem like that in the first inning, but uh, he had like twenty eight pitches in the first inning. But then he was amazingly efficient after that. Um, I still don't get why Kyle Schwarber is batting leadoff. Um, it's because he's a threat to steal. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> to, to steal what? <laughs> it's like Ricky Henderson. There, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I thought I heard Rob Thompson say he likes to bat Schwarber leadoff because the opposing pitcher has to think about that when he goes to bed the night before. But if you bat him second or third, the opposing pitcher still has to think about that, but now you got you, you got one or two men on base. on base. You got Bryson Stott or Alec Bohm on first or second. Yeah, how many solo homers has Schwarber had? I mean, right. And and he went through. Uh, gosh, this was I want to say a couple of weeks ago. He went through twelve or thirteen straight plate appearances without putting a ball in play. Oh, it was yeah. either a strikeout or a walk. Mm. I mean, he could have gone up there without a bat. <laughs> it's just crazy, right? But, but, you know, Topper bats him leadoff. So, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes we don't know. We don't have the insight into their their strategy. But, you know, I don't think too many people thought they were going to make it to the World Series last year the way they looked midseason. And That's then, true. then we all got Phillies fever. So, maybe he can pull it out again. It would yeah, be you awful. never know. You never know. You, you get in, you get in, and you don't know what can happen. Right, because anybody can beat anybody else on any given day. That's true. And we wish that it would have happened last year, but it didn't. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Well, Jason, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with us. And That's it? That flew by. I know it flew by. Well, It really quick, did. Before we go, now you've mentioned that this was your dream job, what you're doing now that, that's going to be on a bit of a hiatus. Is there anything else you aspire to that you haven't done yet? You know what I, I I love to do, but that that I haven't done, and it goes back to the question you asked me toward the beginning of this conversation about my broadcasting role models. I've always loved Harry Callis and Gene Hart and Merrill Reese, but I've never done play by play. I would love the chance to do play by play. So if anybody from the Phillies is watching this program right now, give me a half inning, maybe. You know, let me just slide into the booth. Uh, listen, I'll give Scott, I'll I'll give Scott Fransky a break. Okay, I know L.A. You know, we've got good chemistry. Let me do it. Wow, there, you've heard it, folks. Listen to him. Give him a shot. He's great. Well, thank you. I, I the no, checks I'll tune in. I'll be looking forward to it. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on him, and we'll have to have you back, especially during the the football season. And talk some Eagles. We've got a lot more to talk about. And I, I want to say, uh, Bill, you mentioned earlier about how like you like how I have a conversation with guests. You guys 
This was a conversation. This was not an interview. This was a conversation. And I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. And thank you for chatting with us. And folks, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. This is the Longport Dog Beach. Take a look around. This is one of the few beaches in New Jersey where dogs can roam around without a leash. You know the term rough seas? Well, here, that's taken quite literally. How many times in any given day, Maury, do people come up to you and say, Maury, just tell me I'm the father? <laughs> that's got to happen a lot, right? PHL 17's Jason Lee standing by. Jason, uh, we can now cross off one of those big free agents off the Phillies shopping list. Yeah, Nick, Manny Machado has said it's not just about the money for him. He wants to win. So where does he go? San Diego? So you're on uh, Twitter at Bernie Perrant, Instagram at Bernie Perrant 1, <laughs> Facebook Bernie Perrant. So, yeah, again, a great follow on social media. Uh, let's talk your forte now, goaltending. Uh, Carter Hart has pretty much you know, almost single-handedly turned the Flyers season around. What do you think makes him so special? You know, I wish we had smell vision and not just television because this place smells amazing. We're at Mrs. Brizzles in Sea Isle City. The breakfast crowd is already here. It's always packed at this place because the cinnamon buns are legendary. Take a look in the oven. These scrumptious cinnamon buns are getting baked as we speak.